0: I say often in many of my talks that most people die in their early 20s. We just don't get around to burying them until their 70s or 80s, and they do. This person dies in their early 20s. The world just starts to get you to conform. It gets you to be like everybody else. It gets you to slow down. It gets you to be realistic. It gets you to pace yourself. It says all these messages that really are die, 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 because you're either growing or dying. And the minute you stop growing, that's death.
1: For listening to the Great Ave Podcast. Great podcast.
0: We meet inspiring people from around the world, around the world. Ladies
1: and gentlemen, we are preparing to make our final descent into the Grey Avenue. The local time is what it is, and the temperature is good degrees. This is where curious minds, entrepreneurs, daredevils, hustlers, and problem-solvers converge. On your left is the world of productivity and success, home of the unicorns themselves. For your safety and comfort, please remain seated with your seatbelt fastened until the captain turns off the fasten seatbelt sign. On behalf of the entire crew, I'd like to thank you for listening to the Gray Av Podcast. We are also on iTunes, SoundCloud,
0: and Stitcher Radio. Rate and write us a review. You can also download each episode on Enjoy the show.
1: Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Gray, and this is another episode of the Gray App podcast. And for those of you listening to this podcast for the first time, this is where I have the entrepreneurs, the hustlers, the ballers, and the curious minds all together, and I try to interview them have to you know chat to them a little bit and then through the conversations we can learn from the experiences and the successes and failures and in that way we can apply those lessons to our own lives and today is no different i have ed milet on the show i'm talking about ed milet the chairman of the bfg the peak performance coach And, I mean, the Ed Milate podcast, some of you know about it. He has had guys like Tony Robbins over there, Grant Cardone, and a few other bowlers. So he's going to give you that energy to actually say, okay, man, enough of this. I'm going to get off my bat and go there and killed that's what i get when i'm listening to ed so i've been following ed for a while you know he has had an impact in my life personally and this just makes me feel better that i've actually had managed to pull him on my podcast and then share that content with you guys because this episode definitely is also going to give you the same energy that i've actually absorbed from him just by you know following him in a while so you can check him out on his own podcast uh, on his website, it's edmylet.com That's E D M Y L E T dot com. And you can just use the same name. He's on Instagram, he's on um, Twitter, Facebook. Guys, there's no excuse for that. So, I hope you guys enjoy it which I know you will this was a blast to me I learned a lot and man it just you know it's only positivity over here man this guy likes to share what he knows with the world and from my point of view he doesn't even have to do that he's a highly successful guy doing incredible work in the world but he still has time to you know to come on a show like mine you know to make Facebook videos or Instagram videos just to teach other people how to do it and how to get it so I hope you definitely enjoy it please share with your friends and family they definitely need to hear this and live from cape town south africa my name is gray jabesi i'll see you on the other end of the line enjoy
0: it's an early day here i was at the world series last night with my son in fact uh, grant cardone and i were together and tony robbins at the world series last night so it was quite a night yeah i saw
1: you on instagram i think you guys had a lot of fun definitely <laughs> we, do. <laughs> we do we usually do, we usually do. yeah um have you been yeah, i'm calling from cape town south africa by, way, by the way i don't know if you've ever been there i've all. never
0: been there but i took a uh, I, I had my office tell me a bunch of stuff about you so i'm relatively familiar and uh, very impressed with some of your programs i've already listened to quite a few
1: oh wow thanks so much really appreciate that
0: yeah you're a very good interviewer i mean you're very talented
1: oh wow man great um it you means are. a lot to hear it from you man thank you so I've I've definitely been on your content for quite a while, uh, man. You're like you're like one of those uncles that are you've never met, but you know you always have to check out <laughs> <laughs> to he, to hear some new content or you know get motivated. I'm I'm really impressed by everything that you do
0: and what you're starting Thank for. you, thank you, brother. Well, hopefully we will meet. That's I was at that kind of relationship for many years with Tony, and uh, and you know now we're neighbors in two different neighborhoods. So you never know life life changes and brings people together that are supposed to be
1: oh yeah that's definitely true yeah so i'm actually a few days ago i was watching um one of your interviews with with grant okay so one thing that stood out to me was that you you said you're um naturally a small a small guy and you have said this in a couple of interviews before yeah i'm curious like how did you what are the Ingredients to actually build a body to that level because I'm a small dude myself. I think I have a faster metabolism than way a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but I don't know if it's is it is it a lot of workout or you know a combination of diets or
0: food i mean i don't know yeah well that's a good question for me probably i was small and uh, and i'm still not a big person even my joints and stuff if you look at my wrists and my uh, just the size i am i'm small boned even so to speak i mean i don't know if there are larger or bigger bones but when you look at me you know some guys have these big hands and you know wrists and uh, and i don't have that so for me when i went away to college i played college baseball when i got there I weighed 150 pounds, and they basically just told me if you don't gain weight you don't get in the weight room, you're not going to ever play. And I was lucky. There's a football coach here in the United States, very well-known guy named John Gruden, who also, he does Monday night football here. He's sort of a really well-known guy, won a Super Bowl, And he was my weight and strength coach my freshman year of college. And so he got me passionate about lifting weights and we'd work out together late at night when other guys left. And so for me, my weight gain over time has really been over time. It's been, you know, four, five, six pounds a year, and it just, I do, I have this thing on my podcast where I go through my fitness and my nutrition routine really specifically, like how many calories I eat and the amount of protein I take and my reps and how I do that. I kind of go into a lot of detail there, so it's just been time over, over the period of time. For me, the big key is, is protein. I got to eat, for me to gain weight, I got to eat my protein, I got to eat as much protein as my body weighed a day. That's sort of my rule of thumb. So right now I weigh about 200 pounds. I have to eat 200 grams of protein a day or at least ingest that in order to maintain or gain weight. Otherwise, I lose muscle just the way my body works. So that's been the key.
1: Right. Yeah, then maybe I should give to some of that to myself as well. So you're definitely you know, uh, a very successful guy. I mean, you're still killing it. You you say that you're working on your way to the B, which I'm definitely sure that's going to be that's close you know what you're de- right. definitely going to do with you're a dedicated person but for those of you who are not familiar with uh with aid like how do you describe yourself in a few words
0: huh that's a great question i'm uh i'm i think if well i think other people who know me well would probably tell you i'm a pretty intense person yeah and yeah, I'm really intense. And, uh, and not in a bad way, I hope. But uh, certainly, those of you that are listening that are intense people, we have to keep a governor on that when we're not around people that are like us. But I think I, uh, I'm i really fascinated with trying to find who I'm capable of becoming. Like just that process fascinates me. A lot of the stuff I have on like, you know, social media or edmylet.com, I have like max out. That's sort of my tagline. And That's not just in the gym because there's guys far stronger and bigger than I am in the gym. It's just I try to max out my moments of life. I try to max out my enjoyment, max out my productivity. And because when you stack up those little days, right, you stack up those little hours. We've all done this before. You know, you look back in a month or a year or three years, you go, wow, I really grew a lot. And maybe because I was small when I was little, when I was younger, rather, I am fascinated with how things can change and how much better. can. And I'm also fascinated, Gray, in other people like I'm. I'm in love with other people's potential, their capacity to see how good they can get. And when people start to meet that person, you know, I always say the dream end of a life would be that as you pass away or you're at the end of your life, you are introduced to the person you are capable of becoming and you're familiar with them. You shake hands and it's like you've known them forever. A terrible life would be at the end of your life you meet this person you could have been and you're total strangers. And I don't want to meet that guy someday 60 years from now, and be a total stranger. I want to know him really well. I want to have been him. So I'm just fascinated with that whole journey, like every day I am.
1: That is a very good analogy and look at it because you're talking about yourself right there, right? The the other person you're definitely fascinated by is meeting your actual self in the future
0: somehow. Yeah, well, I'll give you an example. I have a, my son's 15 and it's a, you know, things stand out to you in your life, like just odd moments, right? Like they're just, you know, random moments of life. And I remember I was at a car wash when my son was six years old and he was with me on my lap and. This um, about a 40-year-old guy, I was probably about 30, early 30s at the time, just like it struck me, right? It wasn't a major event, but it struck me. And the the guy goes, you better enjoy that six-year-old because he'll be a seven-year-old soon and the six-year-old's gone forever. And I go, what do you mean? And he goes, oh, you're just going to see him change and grow and you won't even recognize him someday. The six-year-old will be nothing like the 10-year-old, you know? And, And I thought to myself, I didn't say it but i thought to myself in talking to this man you know when did that process stop for you you know like when did yeah. you stop growing like that cuz i i don't want i don't want the 50 year old ed Milet to be like the 46-year-old Ed Milet. I want to have that same, it shouldn't stop between six and eight, or eight and 10, or 10 and 15, or 15 and 20, or 20 and 25. It ought to be a journey of your life that 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 six-year-old is gone forever, and there's a new seven-year-old, and you know what? The 45-year-old's gone forever, and there's now a 46-year-old version of you, and so I just, that struck me, and it just reminded me, like, I don't ever want to be that guy where, like, you know I'm the same guy I was three years ago, same life, same thoughts, same happiness level, same body, same money. I don't want to have any of the same things I have now. I want to be better. So this just stood out to me. <laughs> that is
1: so deep, eh? Because uh, it seems like where it's okay to change and grow when you're younger. It's kind of expected of you to be like, you know changing. okay, oh, now I'm twelve, and people take a lot of I take a lot of pride of that. Say, oh, yeah. now I'm 14. When they turn 17, now they're like 18, or you just turn 20. And then maybe after 21, you kind of like you have a, a defined mode of who you are. And then you, you there's a risk of just keeping that forever, you know, until Gray. you're just being the same person.
0: Great, you're so right. And I think you've picked about the age when it happens. I say often in many of my talks that most people die in their early 20s. We just don't get around to burying them until their 70s or 80s. And they do, this person dies in their early twenties. The world just starts to get you to conform. It gets you to be like everybody else. It gets you to slow down. It gets you to be realistic. It gets you to pace yourself. It says all these messages that really are die, 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 because you're either growing or dying. And the minute you stop growing, that's death. And it happens a lot. Now the good news is if you're one of those people, you're hearing this, right? I, I always tell people this, like you can turn that around and in an instant, and boom, in one decision, you say, you know what? I'm stopping that. I'm gonna start growing. And they may say, well, you know, I don't have a new business I'm starting. I don't have something I'm passionate about. You just start growing by e- entering new information, reading new books, you know, listening to people like you or Tony Robbins or myself and getting involved with their following them, just feeding yourself new thoughts and inspiration and information. That's the process of the turnaround. That's the growth. That's, that's the catalyst that can change your life because you don't want to die at 25. You don't want to die at 35. In fact, your greatest fear is to die that greatest fear in the world for people, even people of great faith like I have, is to die. And, and they picture that like physically dead. But you can also be spiritually and mentally and emotionally dead too. And that's almost worse to walk around physically healthy, but inside be dead. And so you can turn that around right now in an instant just by making that decision that you're going to start growing again. You may not even know where it's going to go. You may not even know what the business is. You may not even know what it's going to look like, but you know you want to grow. You know you want to change. And you know what's interesting? Just, boom, making that commitment right there, that one commitment makes you different than 90% of the people in the world. Right there, you've entered the top 10, 20%. And so that's what I'd encourage people to do. Don't don't allow yourself to die that slow death of life without dreams and vision and inspiration.
1: Right. So that's really, really great. And, you know, it leads up to the actual main subject that I wanted uh, to discuss with you, you know, because you're definitely like an uncle and you grew up in a different um Era than I am right now so there's a lot of things that are different number one probably you didn't have this problem um, you yourself growing up is that with the coming of social media the way we in my generation specifically the way we think of gratification is usually uh, coming from the outside you know how many likes do I get you know how many yeah. clicks or anything like that and this yeah. really cuts deep into the uh, to the personal yeah. level you know out of yeah. social media to the point where for you to feel like um, you are actually doing something, you need validation. But like you yeah. said now, that everybody out there usually is telling you, like, die, 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 don't grow, don't do this. right? And then it becomes so difficult for people to do things that mm-hmm. would improve their life just because they're worried about what other people think about them. You know, mm-hmm. if, if they don't get a like for it, then it's not validated for them to do it. So I don't know what you think about um, a problem like that or um, uh, you know how you grew up and how you could attach that. Yeah.
0: Well I gotta tell you you're I can't believe how right you are about that. And social media is wonderful, right? It, because it's it gives us access to information and people. But you know, I gotta tell yeah. you that the number one killer of what if you want to call it dreams or someone reaching their ultimate potential is their addiction to other people's approval. So everyone talks about drug addiction, alcohol addiction, sex addiction, whatever it is, and those are powerful addictions. But the most prevalent addiction in the world today is the addiction to other people's acknowledgement and approval. And social media does contribute to that. And for me, and I have that too, by the way, I think everyone to a degree struggles with it. You know, I still want people to like me. I want people to approve of me. I think that's just human nature, but I don't, it's not a necessity for me in order to make progress because not only are people dying and the world wants you to die, but the minute you begin to try all of these adversaries, these haters, these naysayers come out and you know, in the world, you gotta remember this, 80% of the people are good. And, and about 20% of the people any given time, they're probably good people. They're just operating negatively. They're tearing you down. They're, they're not feeling good about themselves. So they take it out on you. Or maybe they really love you and they don't yet see the benefit of whatever business you're in or endeavor you're trying to teach. So because they love you, they're, they're pulling you back or they're afraid you're going to grow past them. But 2.5% of those people, and i, I got to tell you guys this, they're not good people. They're out to get you. They're out to harm you. They they want to sabotage you. And these are people you're not going to turn around. You need to identify who those people are. And you need to get them out of your life because the 20 percenters, you can deal with them. They'll be good or bad. They'll turn around when you're winning. Believe me, they'll be happy for you. These two and a half percenters, they're out to get you and they're there for a reason. And so you got to identify some of these people and get them out. And this addiction thing, you know, I'll tell you, Gray, the, the thing I would tell people is, is that you're never going to gain their approval. In fact, Some of the people you're literally doing it for, like your family, may not even approve now of what you're doing. What I can tell you is that when you get to the other side, more of them will come, but even then, they're gonna go, oh, he's all about money, he's all about fame, she's all about success. You know, there's always going to be critics in your life, but if you believe in what you're doing, if you validate you, if you're a person of faith, if you are God and you are on the same page, that's what you need, because at the end of your life, At the end of your life, which is really what you're working towards, most of these people aren't going to be there. These people on social media aren't going to be at your funeral. They're not paying your bills, right? They're not here to help you. They're just – in the story of your life, you're the main character. You are. You're the leading man or woman in the story of your life. And there are other people – That are the characters, you know, best supporting woman, best supporting this. But the rest of them are just B-roll. The rest of them are background actors. They're just the face in the crowd. You know, at the end of a movie, if you watch the credits, it'll have the five or ten main characters by name. And then if you keep watching at the end, it'll say, the guy in the cab, lady in the bar number three. You know, you see that stuff at the end of a movie. They're not even named. These are the people in your life you can't worry about because they're not even named. They're the lady in the bar. They're the guy in the cab. They're, They're not significant in your life. And so you got to eliminate them and worry about the main characters of your life, especially the leading man or woman, which is you. That's how you get ahead, is not worrying about what everybody thinks about you. Break that habit.
1: <laughs> it, you know, it's fascinating to, to the point that um, a, a lot of people out there, that would, there are things that would, you, are definitely positive, right? But then they're perceived as negative for like no reasons. Like somebody would be drinking a lot of alcohol People don't really see, see it as a problem. But if you're working on yourself, like try to sell your products via social media or talking about your products, people would be like, oh, he's always about money, as if it's a negative thing. So, right. you know, once I, I realized that, I was like, why is it that things that are actually would improve your own life mm-hmm. are acted upon as negative, whereas the actual negative things, actually, nobody seems to care about them, probably because everybody does them out there.
0: You know what? You're right. And I'll, let me tell you, the, there's symptoms and then there's the disease, right? So I kind of think that this addiction to other people's approval is a symptom. And the disease, the cause is lack of confidence, lack of self-confidence. And so and I, so I'm so i going to help you treat it if you think you have that issue. It's That's a symptom. It's like if you've got a cold, you have the sniffles. You don't treat the sniffles, you treat the cold, right? So I think addiction to other people's approval is the sniffles of life. The disease is lack of self-confidence. And if you can see confident people, self-confident people, they, if you think about it, the most self-confident people you know, truly self-confident, they're not addicted to other people's approval. They're not. They're on their own track. They're worried about what they and their God think and the key people in their world. And so here's what I would tell you if you want to improve your self-confidence. This is a huge key. Because when I meet self-confident people, you know, and I oftentimes when you meet someone that's self-confident, they border on arrogance, they border on conceit, you know, and, and sometimes people misjudge confidence for arrogance. But when I meet someone that's confident, whether it's a professional athlete that's outstanding at what they do or a business person or even a great mother who just knows she's a great mom, right? You know why they have self-confidence? They have one thing in common, all of them. They keep promises they make to themselves. So the most confident people have a very basic thing that they're never taught. If you make a promise to yourself, keep it. And that's a brick in the wall. Make another promise, whether it's, I'm gonna get up at a certain time and you do it. I'm gonna make a certain amount of phone calls in my business and you do it. I'm gonna work out at a certain time or I'm gonna discipline my diet a certain way. And you do the things, not that you tell other people, you do the things you tell yourself. And when you do that over time, you build a reputation with yourself that you can trust you. And once you know you can trust you, Not other people, not promises you make to other people, promises you make to you. Now you flip that thing you said earlier, Gray, and now you're internal. Now everything that drives you from inside because you trust you. When you don't trust you, you look outside of yourself. And then you're addicted to this approval. So the treatment for the disease of addiction to other people's approval is self-confidence. And the prescription for self-confidence is keeping promises that you make to yourself. Now it's an internal game that you build up and you don't need the external. That should help so many of your folks.
1: For sure, man, that's definitely powerful. And actually one thing that I you, I hear you say a lot is that, um, I mean, a lot of people who actually listen to this podcast, are whether entrepreneurs or entrepreneur in some ways, uh, you, you actually say being an entrepreneur is messy, you know, and a lot of people expect sort of expect it to be smooth and feel, they want to be safe about it. Like if you're going for your dreams, man, you, you can't you can't really be safe about it. Then anybody can would, would, would have done it you know, if it was that easy. So a lot of people are expecting it to be like, you know, easy as everyday life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that that's a fallacy. In fact, it's you're you're so spot on because. In fact, your desire to keep things organized is going to slow you down and hold you back. See, I've been broke many times. So people see the after now, and they go, oh, you know, houses or cars or money or whatever. And by the way, I don't have anything on debt. Everything you see I have, if you're on Instagram following me there or Twitter, YouTube, whatever, you see those things, I own them all cash. My jet, I paid cash. All three of my homes, my main homes, I paid cash. All my cars, all my boats, everything is cash. I don't have a loan on anything, so it's real. (laughs) That's important. Cause I don't love debt and other guys out there will preach debt and that's fine. I'm not a big debt guy. I don't like stress, but i got to tell you that you're hundred percent right about it. It's going to be messy. The story of an entrepreneur, if you really watched it is ugly. The, the truth is winning is ugly. Receiving the trophy is beautiful, right? I was at the world series last night and the Houston Astros here in the United States beat the Dodgers for the world series. And I was sitting three rows behind home plate. And so Grant Cardone was in front of me. Tony Robbins was with me. Um, Larry King from CNN sat in front of me by uh, a bunch of uh, very successful people were right where we were sitting because the tickets were, you know, thousands of dollars, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I was thinking if the camera panned here, everybody would think these people have these beautiful, incredible lives. Right. And the truth is that they do now and it looks beautiful. But if you'd have seen them 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, it was a mess. It was ugly. Everybody thought they should quit. They were in stress. There was even chaos. Sometimes many of us didn't pay our bills on time. And so you got to know the winning is ugly. The receiving the trophy is beautiful. So you got to embrace the ugly. You got to embrace the mess. You got to know that you're. Now, I don't recommend you stay in that state long. I think you should do everything you can to get out of it. I don't think you should be comfortable there. But the fact, most people think, oh, the fact that it's not working, the fact that it's a mess, the fact that my life is a zoo right now is God telling me to stop. Or it's a sign it isn't meant to be. Or any of this other crap that people tell you is bullshit. It's not true at all. The truth of the matter is, is that every one of us went through that. And it's what makes it sweeter when you get to the other side. So you have to embrace the chaos. Embrace the mess. Don't try to organize it all. You have to charge through these things and just know, my let was broke a couple times. I know what it's like to go to the bank machine and pray there's $21 in there so I can pull 20 out. I know what that's like. I know what that's like to have your mobile phone turned off. I know what it's like to have a car repossessed. I know what it's like to lose a house. And so yeah, when I walk into one of my $30 million houses on the ocean, I do appreciate it more than some guy who would inherit it, because I know what it was like to have a house repossessed that sucked anyway. I know what it's like to have a damn Honda repossessed, so when I get in a Ferrari and I own it cash, I appreciate it just a little bit more, and so will you someday.
1: Wow. You know, uh, it reaches back to a story of um, one of the guys that I have interviewed on this podcast, Matt Proud. He was talking about the same story of saying everybody on Instagram is posting cars and Russian models, And yeah. a lot of people gravitate to that, but they don't realize the story behind it on how, you know, what they had to go through to actually make it to that level. So one question that I've always wanted to ask you is, uh, as you were coming up, did you actually decide um, to become successful? or in your study of successful people with friends around you do these people actually design in their head that i really want to uh, be successful have say multiple homes lots of money
0: help my family or whatever that is or
1: it's something that that you just do and then suddenly it happens
0: it's interesting because i've asked people that same question and in my case i was raised i guess what you would call probably middle class which sometimes i think is the hardest place to win from because if you raise wealthy. You know, at least you've seen what a great life looks like, even though maybe you don't have the drive, but at least you've seen it. And if you're raised very poor, you know what you don't want. And there's an advantage to that, I think, ironically. You're raised kind of middle class. That's hard because it's average. It's good. And most people in their life settle for average. Most people, the enemy, the great book that Collins wrote, you know, um, good is the enemy to great, right? And so in my case, i got to tell you, probably when I started out, my dreams have grown just like a muscle, Right. My vision for my life has grown as I've gone. So my first big dreams were relatively simple. I wanted to get financially independent. I wanted to be debt free and financially independent. I must have said, I'm not kidding you, Greg, probably a hundred thousand times in my life. I would tell myself to people, I just want to be debt free, financially independent. I just wanted to own a house outright, have some cash, have a good life. I was more motivated in the beginning out of not being broke than I was out of being rich. But as time went on and I started to taste my life a little bit and taste my dreams and start to be around, I always have tried to put myself in a position where I was associating with people that were two or three or four steps ahead of me in life in the areas that mattered to me. And so in my body, when I wanted to get fit, I got a chance blessing wise to get to know Sly Stallone a little bit. And. I said, boy, I'd like that body, so, you know, Rocky Balboa's body, or businessmen that I was around that were ahead of me. And so it was more like their life stretched my vision. It gave me ideas because my normal brain probably didn't think about life like that. I'm not, it's ironic, I'm not naturally that materialistic. Uh, I, I wasn't raised with that. I was actually kind of raised in a family that sort of put that down a little bit or thought maybe people who got wealthy did it through bad means. And so that's why I do think it's cool within measure to see things on social media that are nice because it can give you ideas. I'd like to live there. That would be cool. I'd like to do that for my church. I'd like to have that kind of freedom. And so it was, for me, there wasn't social media. It was real people in my life. Right. But I think social media can do that. I think it can help as long as you know, when you're watching it, there's an ugly story behind that beautiful house. You know, there's an (laughs) ugly story behind that boat. And as long as you embrace the ugly, it's fine. So the answer is no, I did not have huge dreams. But now I do, and now it's – you know there's a great book called The Dream Catcher, and the theory of it to me is like basically once you start catching dreams, even your small ones, it's like a momentum that takes place. Once you catch one, you catch another. It's kind of like that self-confidence thing. Now you start actually believing you can do this stuff, and now when you point your mind at something, it's a weapon. I feel like now when I point my mind at an ambition of mine or a vision, it's a weapon fully loaded – that has hit a whole bunch of previous targets. Whereas in the beginning I hadn't hit anything. So now it's scary. You can build momentum in catching your dreams too. And I think that's a powerful question.
1: So you have also touched on on one uh, important factor there that just reminded me of myself. I actually operate with fear. I think uh, that just turns out to be, it makes, it kind of forces me to be, more risk-taking because i know what the bottom is like i started really really at the bottom so yeah. Yeah. I, I know i know i don't want to be there and it, it, i wouldn't allow that to happen anymore yeah. so speaking of your business or your company yeah for example like so from where you started you know as a sports guy who, who really wanted to do well in sports mm-hmm. tra- transitioning into business mm-hmm. how was that transition like to actually Get the hats of saying, okay, now you're a businessman. You know the business language and all other all these other things. Did you go to business school, or how did you work out?
0: No, I got into my the name of my firm's World Financial Group, and what's unique about my company specifically, I have to tell you, is that there is sort of a mentoring environment set up from the beginning. So it helped me. It's sort of like a, a little bit like a self-contained sort of entrepreneurial environment. So for me, I got access to some successful people right away. That whole Napoleon Hill theory and think and grow rich if you find a millionaire they'll tell you exactly what they did if you do the same things you're likely to get the same results right and for me not only was it the same things but it was in the same business and so the transition wasn't that difficult because a lot of the habits are the same I mean it sounds corny but it's true like honestly getting there earlier honestly outworking people really writing my goals down Really staying disciplined, you know, staying a little bit later, like these are basic things. So I came to business because I was an undersized athlete, always having to outwork people just to be average, right? So I had to outwork the guy who was 6'4", 240 because I was 5'10", 160, right? And so I had the work habits What I needed was some mentors who believed in me and showed me the right path. And fortunately for me, in a particular business that I got into, there were such people in my my view. Now, for many of you listening to this, you're not in that business or in a business like that. And that's why it's incumbent upon you to truly read a lot. Read the books of these successful people. Um, Secondly, follow them where they're putting out content wherever you can. And, and, uh, like I, I have a, I'm not, I'm, dro- I'm dropping this, but I just want to say this cause it's all free, but I have a YouTube channel called max out with Ed Milet. I have a website at There's lots of content on there that I made because I want to pay it forward. Cause I know a lot of people aren't in my company. They're not in my business. They're around the world listening to this. And I want you to have a mentor. I want you to have somebody to follow. And I'm not the only one out there, but I can help you. And so I put stuff out there very regularly so that I am sort of nudging you along too. And so mentors are huge, man. And the last thing I'll tell you, there's one other thing I want to say to you, those listening to it. Mentors are powerful because they can influence you. But eventually you need to have someone who's your friend because if you have kids, for example, they're school teachers like a mentor, right? They guide them, they give them advice, they give them info, and they make a difference in their lives. But the people who really influence your children, you know this, are their friends. That's who you worry who they hang around because who they hang around is who they're going to become. Same with adults. And so eventually, yeah, you got to read. Yeah, you got to get on social media. Yes, you got to go to seminars. You got to be on your podcast and other ones. But eventually, you got to find somebody in your life who becomes your friend that's ahead of you because then they can influence you tremendously. So always keep your eye out for who that person's going to be, that you're going to turn from mentor to friend, then your life will accelerate.
1: Right. So that's a very good point that you touched there. And I think let's talk about how do you actually get to those people and talk to them. In my experience, it has been, I think the people that are up there and successful, they're probably the easiest people to get hold of. It it just turns out to be that way from my experience. It seems like to reach out to, to the smaller guys. There's too much ego for some reason or something like that. But like, well, I reached out to you, you know, now we're talking, you know? So, yes. but then I still see a lot of people who really know where they want to be, or, you know, they have uh, mental models, the people that they want to be like, yet yep. they still take advice to like, you know, to some, some of their friends or some other person who is not even at that level, you know, who is not yes. beyond them, which is, I think it's a problem. Well,
0: gray, you're right. So you're <laughs> it's amazing, man, like uh, how on these topics you are because I got to tell you, the most the easiest thing to do is ask because you'd be surprised how infrequently they get asked. And the there's a couple of things. The more successful somebody is, it's interesting because you're spot on. A, they are more likely to encourage you to keep going in your business. The the lower someone's success is, the more likely they are to tell you slow down, reconsider, maybe you should stop. The more successful people almost always, if they think it's valid, will tell you keep going. The second thing is you should reach higher. You should reach out to them because you'd be surprised. Now, in my case, when people reach out to me, I'll usually respond. I mean, it may take forever with all the people, but I try to get back to people. But the other thing I also do is I'll say, hey, listen, let's, let's, let's make you earn it, but let's do it where it's fair. So, and we'll set up some kind of a game, you know, where because I think life's a game. I'll say if you do X or Y, what are your goals right now? You do X or Y, then we'll do a well, you know, we'll correspond together. I'll invite you to something, and so it's interesting to me how people think. Well, the higher someone up is, I shouldn't ask them. And you're 100% right. I've I've been amazed in my life. You know, the people who are now my Grant Cardone asked me in an interview we did. He goes, "How do you draw these people in? You know, whether it be a an athlete or a businessman. You know, like how in the world do you draw them in?" And the truth is, I uh, I asked. I asked. Is that simple? eh? (laughs) I asked. And also, I'll tell you the other thing. I think that this mentor or this person needs to see some of themselves in you. And so you can't be at a standstill and ask somebody to help you. I can't help you learn to drive a parked car, right? It has to be in motion. And so the one thing I'm looking for is not just desire, but activity, motion. Um, action from somebody, if you're moving, I can help you. If you're at a standstill, I'm not the right guy for you. I can't help somebody standing still.
1: Right. That's totally amazing. Uh, so let's uh, jump into, say, confidence that you touched. How uh, how do you develop confidence? Say like for somebody who has never done any sort of um, personal Uh, you know, improvement, or they have never been into this kind of thing, or they don't even realize that the um, confidence is their problem, that
0: they they have the
1: problem, they just don't have confidence. Where would be be the the very good point,
0: Christopher? Well, I've read some stuff on this. So the first thing is what I said earlier, that you got to learn to start to keep promises that you make to yourself. Then there's just like some good books I've read on it. So I think Tony Robbins has some good technology on it. There's a guy named, (laughs) his name's Dr. Robert Anthony. Any, if you Google Dr. Robert Anthony and confidence, he's got some great books. I never mind promoting people who I think have written good stuff. He's a different guy. I got to warn you, the way he writes is a little bit eccentric. It's not even grammatically accurate, but some of the contents outstanding. So that's helped me. And for me, it's it's celebrating wins, and so and not too much, but celebrating wins. Meaning, I want to always be acknowledging when I've made progress. So. Anything I do where I've made some progress, I acknowledge it. I, I, I say, hey, you did what you said you're going to do. Great job. And the, the biggest thing that people lack is some clarity. So both – I found out like myself, Robbins, Cardone, Tom Brady, the quarterback, um, uh, Phil Knight, the CEO of Nike, for example. We're all – we're very ferocious with our um, vision and our goals. So I do read my goals every evening and every morning. Um, Grant actually writes them down every morning and every evening, and every time he has a loss. And yeah, so, so I've,
1: seen, I've heard him say that he's
0: real big on that. And the reason that that's important is not just to remind you of it; it gives you confidence. A directed person has more confidence than a person who lacks direction. So an element of self-confidence is just knowing where you're going. On being clear, perfect example. If you've ever been driving in your car. Are you a more confident driver when you've been there a hundred times and you know exactly how to get there, or if you've never been there before and you don't have any GPS or map with you? Who's more confident? Far more confident. It's autopilot. It doesn't even require you to think if you've been there before. And so I see people that lack confidence. One, they don't keep promises to themselves. They don't celebrate their wins. But the biggest thing is they are just not clear on the directions. They're not clear on when they're going. Just clarity on where you want to go and how to get there is a massive spike in your self-confidence level. So think that through. Like when you're listening to this, everybody, how specific, I mean really detailed, really clear in your mind are you with where you're going and also how to get there, the directions? Because that GPS or that fact that you've been there hundreds of other times, like for those of you that you leave work every night, you know exactly how to get home you're 100% confident you're getting there. And that's because you've been there hundreds or thousands of times. And so keep that in mind for yourself. The more clear you are, the more you know the directions, confidence goes up.
1: Absolutely. And one thing that I I also picked up in in what you said right now is that anytime I ask a very successful person uh, about a certain subject, there's a few things that I always mention, you know, they have read it somewhere or they heard it somewhere. It's like they're constantly learning, you know, they're always looking out for new information. And, you know, that makes them to know a lot of things and then they would make smarter decisions. So this is what happens to me, for example, right? I put a podcast out. I talk about so many different subjects here and I bring a lot of smart people and successful people here like you. And you I would find somebody who is actually close to me ask me, like, okay, uh, can you help me with this subject? I'm like, dude, I have done a podcast about that with X, uh, uh, who and who, you know, we have talked, he's an expert. <laughs> so yeah. people don't really want, yes. we don't. some people don't really want to learn stuff. They just want things to come like in front of their face. They can't even do a, a basic <laughs> YouTube search to find something. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I got to tell you something. That happened to me again today, and it happens every single day. I mean, I'm telling you, every single day somebody will say to me, so, uh, how do you write your goals down? Or, um, what's your plan for personal development? Or I'm like, that's in unlocking your success code on my website. So it's amazing to me. Like exactly what you just said. It's constantly being asked things that I've already taught that they have access to. Whereas champions are just relentless in finding the info. They don't want it. Spo- they don't want it spoon fed to them. And like, listen, you said something about social media earlier. Here's the truth. Cause about looking inward and outward in the world today, the problem for people is not what it was 20, 20 years ago. There was a lack of information, right? Like, how do I get this information? How do you, there's almost no topic in the world today that you cannot get access to information on. That's sure. just a fact, right? You can Google it. There's an expert out there. There's 100 experts out there. So you being in this state of, I don't know, I'm not sure, I'm, not, I'm confused, that's just total bullshit. It's that you're not trying. You're not seeking it. You don't desire it because there's no way you should be in a state of confusion. If you want to learn how to put together a go-kart, you could Google it. If you want to know how to make a, a, a chicken Parmesan dinner, you can get that information, right? If you want to learn to play the piano, you want to learn to speak a language. There's information on every single thing on the planet you can get access to. The separator now, honestly, is action, is activity, is busting your ass, is busyness, is hustle. That's the separator. Human commodities is the separator now, which you, uh, which is great for a guy like me, because I'm not all that smart. I don't have a particularly high IQ. In fact, I just took an IQ test and I was in the 120s. I'm, I'm basically average. Okay? So I like that there's access to everything because if you get a game, if the game comes down to hustle, if the game comes down to who's got the best idea, if the game comes down to execution, busting it, wanting it, desire will to win, I'm your guy. And those of you that are listening to it, it's not that you lack info. You got to you got to check your hustle. You got to check your desire. You got to check your work ethic. That's where the winning's going to be inside you, not outside you. And you ought to be following guys like me because we'll help you hustle harder will help you hustle smarter, but we can't help you hustle. You got to do the hustle. Yeah, man, That's I, the I
1: listen to, you know, whether it's you or Grant or Tony Robbins or whoever else, like, in my ears, and I'm working, you know, that becomes part of my life. And then I'm, I'm constantly uh, hit with some reality or some wake up cause like, okay, dude, you're gonna go hustle, you know, because I'm surrounded by that um, energy around me. You know, that's what I'm trying to absorb and bring to myself
0: all the time. That's the word, Greg. That's the word. It's energy. That's the word. You nailed it right
1: so let's just jump into one of one of the last subjects and this behavior again i'm, I'm gonna go back to my generation because probably that's most of my listeners right now sure uh, you have mentioned uh that you you don't really you never smoked weed or anything like that but in my generation mm-hmm. now it's yep. kind of like a trend to do that like it's un- to actually some people it's uncool to not smoke it's like okay you have to so when people are yep. talking yep. about their goals or whatever they want to do or they want to change some kind of behavior to become more productive or more, more successful i wonder they don't nobody really talks about cause out those behaviors it seems like it's a norm and nobody want to attack them but like those things kind of, yep. you know, slows you down and you putting poison somehow in your body, you know, like smoking a lot, whatever it is, or drinking too much alcohol. And I watch guys like you or or Grant, you know, uh, you uh, yep. Grant is not a big drinker. A, a dude like 50 Cent, for example, yep. doesn't drink or smoke. And then I created yep. all these patterns yep. and I look, I'm like, okay, there's something to pay attention to there. That's something, yep. it means something.
0: Well, me. I got to tell you, uh, most don't. So uh, you can have short-term success if you do those things, but most people you meet that have really long-term, enduring success, they're not flooding their body with uh, stuff that uh, alters it. So I don't believe in altering my body. So do I drink. I drink wine. I love wine. I'll drink some wine and enjoy myself but I don't do anything to excess and I've not ever smoked. I do smoke some cigars once in a while if I'm golfing, but I don't smoke any pot or anything like that. And by the way, I know that that's normal. And by the way, it's actually normal at my age bracket now. I mean, it's normal with guys my age. It's a it's a prevalent thing. It's, you know, there's this whole stuff, well, it's better for you than drinking. There's no calories, there's no hangover, you know. Maybe it's not as addictive. I've heard all that bullshit. So here's here's what I would say about that. Okay? Let's just say that you were right about that. Let's just say, for example, that there's no harm in doing it, which you're wrong. It does slow you down. It does distract you. Um, It sucks desire out of you. People go, well, it helps me chill out. Right. That's the point. You're too chilled out. (laughs) So uh, it just, you're too chilled out. But let, let me, let me just say to you, here's the big reason not to do it. Let's just say all that weren't true. It wasn't harmful. It didn't slow you down. It didn't chill you out. It didn't dull your senses. Let's say it didn't do any of that, right? Okay. Number one, successful people are telling you that that's loser behavior. So you ought to just evaluate that, okay? Just, just evaluate it, okay? Tony Robbins doesn't smoke pot. Tom Brady doesn't smoke pot. i just tell you straight up, I don't smoke pot. Grant Cardone doesn't smoke pot. Gary Vee doesn't smoke pot, right? Phil Knight doesn't smoke pot. You name it, okay? Warren Buffett doesn't smoke weed. Mark Zuckerberg, as far as I know, doesn't smoke weed, okay? So you can go as generational as you want. So... I, uh, look, look, just straight up, Jerry Yang, the founder of Yahoo, is one of my neighbors. He doesn't smoke weed. Okay, so just so we're clear. Having said that, though, let's say it wasn't harmful. Here's what I think you ought to think: Champions, winners, the elite, the extraordinary, don't do what the crowd does in almost anything. Wow. They're counterculture. Okay, Bill Gates was Bill Gates was counterculture. Okay. Counterculture. They never do what the crowd does. And even if what the crowd was doing is okay, studs, champions don't do what the crowd does because it feeds their confidence. They're like, I'm not doing it. I'm not the crowd. I'm not the sheep. I'm the wolf, right? I don't do it. I'm not one of the guys. Okay. I don't care what sport you fall, but take golf, right? Tiger Woods at his peak of his career was not one of the guys, one of the guys is average. Okay. I don't want to be one of the guys. So even if it wasn't harmful when everyone else is doing it, I don't do that because I'm not one of the guys. I'm not average. I'm not in the pack and I'm never going to let my brain think I'm average. I do what the crowd does. I don't do that. Okay. I do what studs do. I do what champions do. I do what the elite does. I don't do what everybody else does. So if you're doing that, Maybe that's the reason to stop. You don't believe it's harmful. You don't believe it slows you down. But when you look around you, everybody's doing it, and by definition, because most of them are doing it, you shouldn't be. That's the answer.
1: Absolutely, and I, I actually feel good about myself usually when not doing
0: things that everyone
1: else is doing. It makes me exactly it makes me feel good. Actually, that I, I'm okay, probably thinking great. For great, myself. great.
0: Let me tell you something. Let me give you some uh, uh, an example because this is right on I'm passionate about this people say what's it like to wake up in an ocean front house or to fly on a jet that you own cuz people what's that feel like right one of the coolest things about it is I'm doing something right now most people aren't doing you know that right like yeah. it's one of the cool things there's a feeling an addiction to, I'm getting to do things other people aren't doing, right? You can give yourself that feeling like you just said by actually not doing things other people are doing at any time in your life. You don't have to wait around for the jet, but in fact, if you start the habit now of not doing things other people are doing, okay, I'm telling you that you'll eventually really be doing things other people aren't doing. That's the pattern. Life has patterns, so you can choose. You want to do what everybody else is doing? You want to be in the pack? You will stay there permanently. Okay? But if you want to do things other people aren't doing, that has a pattern in your life too that leads to these places and things you think you want. And you don't get there by doing what everybody else does.
1: I love it. I love it, Ed. You know, this interview is going exactly like I thought it would. It really sounds like classic Ed, you know? Uh, and now let's let's talk about credit um, or debt. Yeah. Definitely something that I don't believe in myself. I've never been in, or I don't, you know, I don't yeah. see myself getting involved into that. You know, I, I feel like yeah. if I can't afford it, if I can't pay cash for it, I definitely can't afford it. Uh, but at yep. the same time, especially where I live now in South Africa, it's like debt it's a norm, you know, it's, everybody feel like yep. there, people don't even think about it a- anymore, especially on my, on my edge right now. i got people who, who get shoes, whether it's Nikes, whatever they're getting on credit. Yep. It's like that's to yep. me, that's ridiculous. So it is ridiculous. maybe I'm, I'm too small to even speak about that. I would love someone like you. actually speak on that what are your thoughts
0: yeah well great you have the wisdom of a 300 year old man so i you definitely could speak on whatever you want i'm enjoying this very much so here's the deal there's an honest disagreement with successful people some people that think you should really use debt to get ahead some people like me did not use debt to get ahead and we can have an honest disagreement about that one thing okay but here's what i would advise everybody to there's no disagreement with successful people on this topic so don't be confused when you hear me say don't get into debt, and you hear so-and-so say, use debt, okay? That's a wealth strategy. There can be an honest debate about that. The Bible says, oh, no, man, nothing, for example, okay? But having said that, set that aside. There's no disagreement with successful people about this topic. You should never create debt on a depreciating asset. If you want to have some debt on an appreciating asset, that might be a different story. Okay, but no debt on things that depreciate. So no debt on cars, in my opinion, no debt on shoes, no debt on stuff that just goes bad. Right. So no debt on going to a restaurant because that stuff's gone. So I don't ever, ever, ever recommend you go into debt and buy things that are going to go down in value and borrow against them as you make more payments. That's a formula for broke. Okay. Now I also have not used debt for appreciating assets, but if you came to me and said, I'm going to borrow money to start and invest in my business, I'm going to borrow money to invest in this building that I think could create wealth for me. That's an honest debate. That's something you can evaluate. So what I would say to you for sure, no debt on things that depreciate. That's a, that's a broke person's approach. And that's, by the way, what the crowd does. The crowd buys The crowd buys clothes on debt. The crowd goes to dinner on debt. The crowd buys a car they can't afford on debt, right? The crowd buys their personal residence on massive debt. And so I don't recommend that, and I know that doesn't work. So that's my stance on debt. Great.
1: And now let's just, uh, to close up, let's just touch on, uh, on leadership. Sure. Uh, because that's one thing that you do best. Everybody knows about it. <clears throat> you in one of your uh, talks you say that you advise your your employees or your team to go to go wide.
0: Yeah. What does that mean to, to go wide? Well, in my business wide means uh, expanding their agency, expanding their business, but in the broader sense, going wide to me and being a leader means expanding. So, for me you know, everyone's always heard this before, but honestly, like p- leadership is everything and it's example. So one of the things I've learned over the years, this is something I challenge you to do. You know the caliber of somebody's leadership in business or life or as a father or a mother. If you do this, turn the movie of their life on and turn the sound off and watch them. So in other words, they can't tell you about what type of business person they are. They can't tell you about how hard they're working. They can't tell you what a good dad they are because there's no sound in this movie. All you have is moving pictures, okay? And the moving pictures will tell you who somebody really is. People have mastered the art of BS with their words, with vocabulary, with sayings, right? And so you can do this in your relationships too. Turn the sound off. Now how do they really treat you? Turn the sound off. Now what type of business person are they? Turn the sound off. What type of leader are they? And so I start to watch people with the sound off and I watch what they do. And so in my own case as a leader, I'm always asking myself, if I just turn the volume off of what I'm doing, if someone was just watching me, what type of a leader am I? And so like when I'm on uh, social media, like I'm not telling you to work out, I'm showing you I'm working out. You could turn the sound off, right? I'm in business, I'm I'm with, with you right now, I've got another thing I'm doing in 20 minutes, I've got a meeting at 2 o'clock that runs till 6. I've got a meeting from 7 to 8.30 tonight. I'm jumping on a plane and flying to Canada tomorrow, having a nice dinner and speaking the next morning, right? So I'm I'm doing it. You could turn the sound off of my life. And so to me, leadership really is the example, really is what you do. And the last thing is that I think all great leaders in business that have people that work for them, they have the ability to look into that person and see their blessings and gifts, They can see this person's capacity. A great leader sees in you the ultimate version of you. They see your giftedness. They see what God gave you when you were born as your ultimate gift, whether it's your math skills or speaking skills or your passion or your ability to nurture people or to think critically or to learn, right? And when you meet somebody in your life who looks at you sincerely, doesn't just say, oh, you're great, but they say, you're great because, and then they tell you the one or two or three things about you that you know are your natural gifts That person's a leader. And in your life, if you're listening to this, you can count those people on one hand in your entire life who really believed in you, can't you? I mean, in your entire life, if I said who's believed in you the most, there's a list of one to five people in your entire life. And when you think about them, you get emotional. And that's a leader. A leader's a father, a leader's a mother, a leader's a businesswoman. And what her great gift is to her team, to her colleagues, to her clients, is that she can see their beauty. She can see their giftedness. She can see their blessings because almost nobody in your life's ever seen the real you. And when you, if you're a leader in business, your job when you meet people, I don't care if it's a waitress in a restaurant, a server, a flight attendant, a business person in a boardroom, it's to go, their giftedness is this. I can see their passion. I can see their intellect. I can see their nurturing, their honesty, their faith their capacity to put numbers together whatever it is and when you begin to tell somebody you're awesome you're great you're special because xyz and they link it to something they knows true about themselves you are now a leader and they will follow you to the end that's what a leader does
1: awesome i think with that we we i mean we we can talk For ages, but I don't want to (laughs) waste your time here. Uh, I totally appreciate
0: having you on my podcast. It really, really means a lot. It's been my honor, brother. It's been my honor. Hope we do it again soon. Totally. And I will
1: be in the United States probably next year. That's one of my uh, goals right now. So I hope that I would meet you if that would be possible. Definitely. I would definitely love
0: it. Hey, Gray, I'd love that. Give me some advance notice so we can really do it. Okay, awesome. We'll definitely do. All right? Okay, brother. Have a very nice day. God bless you, man. Max out. See you.